Okay, should we start again? <laughs> All right, well, sorry for the technical difficulties, everybody out there. So, our sermon text for today is from James chapter 5. Please turn there, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 11. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. This is God's holy word. Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let's go to the Lord and ask him for his blessing. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you bless our time now, even though we're far apart from one another and we're having these technical difficulties. Lord, we pray that we would be able to hear your word, to hear you speak to us today, that you guide my mouth and that uh, the link would stay up and not crash the rest of this time. So help us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So let me ask you, are you a patient person? Are you patient? So I, I think being patient is one of the hardest things in the world, isn't it? Now myself, I'm not very patient at all. In fact, sometimes I'll buy a sandwich at Subway and then I can't even wait till I'm home to eat it. I have to start eating it on the way, right? So I lack the patience to wait. But in today's text, James is encouraging us to be patient. I think this is especially important now at this time with this coronavirus going on and we're stuck at home. And if you're like me, you just feel like, let's just get on with it. Let's. Let's get over, let's get this thing over, and let's move on to the next thing in life, right? And yet there's, there's nothing we can do about it. We have to sit here and wait. So patience is called for. But Christians are called to be patient for some much more important things. And J James addresses his brothers and sisters in Christ here in light of the suffering they are enduring. And he's, he turns to them and encourages them to persevere. So this is what we want to see from the text today. As Christians, we should be patient in our suffering. For the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming to set all things right. So we'll look at this under three headings, three C's. First of all, the coming, the coming of Christ. Secondly, the commands, the commands that he gives in light of Christ's coming. And thirdly, the copy, 
who are we to copy? So the coming commands and copy. First of all, the coming of Christ. So the return of Christ should be both a warning to unrepentant sinners and a comfort to Christians who are in suffering. Now I think about when I was, when I was a child, um, sometimes my father would go away, he was truck driving, he'd go away for the week and he'd be gone from the house and we'd think about him returning, we'd wait for him to come back. Sometimes it would be happy, usually. <laughs> You'd get to see him again and maybe he brought, brought me a treat. Other times, if I'd look forward uh, to his coming, I'd be a bit scared, right? Because there's some discipline. There's some discipline that needed to occur. Because I had maybe disobeyed my mother, I'd done something wrong, right? So, when we think about Jesus coming, of course, he will come in grace to all who repent of their sins and believe in him, trust in him, but in judgment to those who do not. So, the return of Christ should be a great comfort for us, a great consolation for us as believers. Because when Christ returns, we're going to be vindicated. Our sins are going to be, our sins are now completely covered, right? But that will be made manifest to the world, that truth. And we'll receive the crown of righteousness. And all of our suffering will cease as we receive the crown of salvation. So as Christians... All right, guys. We switched phones, so hopefully this will truly fix the problem. <laughs> All right, let's look again at, I'll read verse 7 again. So it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So in these verses, James compares... The coming of Christ with the harvest time. Now, nowadays in our urban, modern urban culture, we don't really think about the harvest too much, do we? But it's actually the most important part of time of year, especially in, in the ancient cultures. But we don't realize it, but we also are dependent upon the harvest because we're not reaping the harvest ourselves, we don't think about it, but if the harvest went bad one year, we would be in big trouble. So they look forward to the harvest every year. Why do you think we have Thanksgiving and Chuseok at the harvest time? Right? It's very important. But when you think about it, harvest is not something that can be rushed. It's not something that can be rushed. Now I can go to the plants and I can scream at the corn plants. I can scream at the field, tell them, grow faster. But it's not going to do any good, right? They're not going to grow any faster. So if you're a farmer, you have to be patient. You have to patiently wait while your crops grow in the field until the harvest time. You look forward to that time 
that most important time when you're going to reap the harvest. And so James calls us to wait for Christ patiently, knowing that at the right time he will return and he'll bring us the rich fruits of the harvest. Why does James refer to the early and the late rains? What does that mean? So farmers are dependent upon the early rains. This is the early in the springtime so that the crop can get set in and grow initially. And likewise, they're dependent upon the late rains um, towards the end of the season so that the ground can be prepared for the following year as well. Without those early rains and the late rains, the harvest will not be successful. So we too are dependent upon the rain for the harvest, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to pour out His work of regeneration and sanctification and producing fruit, producing faith in us, bringing people to Christ. That's what we're dependent upon. It's like the farmers are dependent upon that rain. Without that, the harvest will never be produced. So James says, be patient, be patient. So next, let's look at the commands in verses 8 through 9. So James links together the coming of Christ with several commands. He says, be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now many of us are teachers, so we can understand the idea here. How do your students behave when you leave the classroom? Probably not too well. And right now, if we're teaching these online lectures, we're leaving it up to them. It's very difficult, right? So generally, when the teacher leaves the classroom, the students fall lax in their behavior. But when you know that the teacher is coming, or as it says here, standing at the door, the students behave completely differently. And this is especially true if you have a great love and a respect for your teacher. And so it is similar with the coming of Christ. You can think about Jesus, it says he's at the door. And so he calls us to live lives of obedience. The coming of the Lord is at hand. What does that mean for even James so long ago to say that the coming of the Lord is at hand. We can think of it like this, I think, that those, the final times, we could call them the end times, began with Christ's death and resurrection. And that's how, that's how the apostles viewed it, right? So the Lord's coming was at hand for that reason, but also Christ his presence, not only we think about his judgment and his future bodily return to the earth 
But we can also think of him being at hand, at the door, now as well. Because um, I think about the book of Revelation, right? Revelation 3.20, Behold, I knock at the door. Right? So Christ is here, and it says also in Revelation 1 that Christ is walking among the lampstands, right? which are the churches, the seven churches, representing the church. So Christ is at hand now. There, we can think about his presence coming in judgment as well. Now, for believers, he will come with discipline, right? When we stray from him, he's going to come and bring us back. He'll come and lovingly discipline us when we need it. Bring us back on track in repentance and renewed faith. But in terms of the book of James, there's also, you guys are familiar with it, back in chapter 2, he's saying that some people were claiming to be justified without works. Right? So there's a warning here as well that we not be deluded and think ourselves saved when we're not. So there's a renewed call to repentance and faith in Christ, true faith in Him. And as we think about this coronavirus going around as well, we know that the Lord is at work in it, bringing people closer to himself through suffering, but also beginning to pour his judgment, his fearful judgment upon this earth. And we know that Christ said that he will come like a thief in the night. He'll come like a thief in the night, which means he could, he could come very quickly and he will take people by surprise so we're called here to be to prepare be prepared for it look forward to it and patiently wait for it as well so be patient let's look at these commands be patient god calls us to be patient in our suffering as we wait for the return of christ and this is important because you see here he mentions that command twice be patient but how are we to be patient? We're given three other commands to show us how to be patient, how to patiently wait in suffering. So the first one is establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. So it's important to remember what the Bible means when it talks about the heart. Unlike um, modern psychology that often separates the heart from the mind. When the biblical authors talk about the heart, it's referring not only to our emotions, but our intellect as well. So to establish your heart, it's not merely calling us to have the right emotions, to work up some emotions, but it's calling us to stand firm in the faith and to not give in to our doubts. We should center the core of our being upon the truth of Scripture and the great truth of Christ's return when he will judge the earth and set all things right. 
We can think about all the damage that's being done now from this disease and the, the economic fallout, and, we, and it sands our hearts. But one day, Christ is going to come back and set this earth straight again. He's going to do away with all diseases for good and all suffering of his people. So look forward to that with great anticipation. This is our blessed hope. Let's look at verse 9. He says, do not grumble. Do not grumble against one another's, one another brothers. What does it mean to grumble? And when I think about grumbling, usually I think about it as kind of individual thing, like under my breath grumble about something. But the context here in the book of James has to do with the community. Do not grumble against one another. And we probably think about grumbling as kind of a minor offense, but the Lord takes it very seriously. And we should repent of our sinful attitudes towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. It says here, lest we be judged when he returns. So by grumbling here, James is especially talking about complaining. Complaining about our brothers and sisters. Now James warned us not to judge others. In the previous chapter, chapter 4, he warns us not to judge others. And I think this is an application of that command. That is why we're not to complain about each other. When we do so, we're actually judging, which God alone has the authority to do. And isn't it true that when we suffer, we often turn against one another in response to it. We tend to blame or resent each other. And I think as we're stuck together, families, roommates, stuck in a house now, that may be a special temptation to grumble, complain, and judge one another. So let's, let's trust in the Lord and let's turn away from our grumbling and be patient, patiently wait for his return, for Christ to set things straight. So grumbling is the opposite of patience and it's a mark of unbelief. This brings us to our last point. Who are we to copy? So in verses 10 through 11, James gives us several models of Old Testament believers who are patient in their suffering. The first example is the prophets. Look at verse 10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So James gives us the reason why they're persecuted. Because they spoke in the name of the Lord. And if you read the prophets, you, you will see that they are often persecuted, indeed. Because, why? They, were called, they called the Israelites to repentance. They called Israel to repentance for their sins, especially idolatry. And this has never been a popular thing to do, to call out sin. And yet it's absolutely necessary. 
So as Christians, we too will suffer if we speak in the name of the Lord. The world doesn't want to hear it. And Christians around the world face persecution like the prophets. And in our modern culture, if you merely affirm biblical teaching about many things, such as homosexuality, you're, you're put in the same category as the KKK. So we should expect to receive persecution for calling sinners to repentance. It's not popular. But like the prophets, we're called to perseverance as we're reviled for our faith. Now, with this whole virus thing going on, we see there's some persecution being produced by it, right? Now, we can think about the Xinjiangji cult, of course, um, and how they spread a lot of the virus around, right? But in, in most of the minds of the world, they don't make a distinction, necessarily, between the cult and the Orthodox Christians, right? And so they put us all in the bag. They say, you guys want to be worshiping together when you shouldn't be. And so there is a great um, hatred for the church that arises out of this. And I read an article from the New York Times that was entitled, The Road to Coronavirus Hell Was Paved by Evangelicals. Now I think they may have some really appropriate criticisms to offer, and yet Satan's going to use this to attack the church, to attack Christians generally. So we need to pray that we would respond to the persecution in a godly manner, that our response would be a witness to Christ. I think is how we respond to it that's most important. And the second example of patient suffering James gives is Job, which we read from, uh, from Job chapter 2 today. So verse 11 he says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Now, it, it may seem a little strange for some of us to think about Job as being patient. Because when you read the book of Job, he's complaining a lot to the Lord about, he's saying, this, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I didn't deserve this suffering. Why am I suffering? So when we think about the patience that we need to have, it's not maybe like when we think of the English word, it's very passive and doesn't involve it involves just doing nothing, but that's, that's not how we should think about the patience here that we're commanded to. But instead, it's an endurance, it's a perseverance, a long-suffering that continues in the face of the suffering. It's a not giving in. So we're called to endure, to persevere until the end, that is, until Christ delivers us. So Job persevered in his faith until the Lord delivered him. 
He clung tightly to God through his experience. He didn't give in to the false falsehoods and lies that his so-called friends were telling him either. And this is what James is calling us to do as well. As the farmer waits steadfastly in the summer, looking forward to the bountiful harvest, so we should wait steadfastly in our suffering, looking forward to the day when the Lord's return will set everything right. So church, as we've seen here, as, it, as impressive as Job and the prophets were, their faithfulness in suffering points us to something much greater. James reminds his readers of this in verse 11. He says, You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So Job and the prophets are meant to point us to the Lord's compassion, the Lord's mercy to us. That he gives us in Christ. So Jesus underwent the greatest suffering that any human will ever undergo. And unlike you and I, Jesus perfectly waited, suffered faithfully, and throughout his whole life he was patient and endured to the end. He never once cursed God or dishonored his father in any way. And through his suffering, life, and death, Jesus saved us from our sins. It's only because of that that we may look forward with great joy to his coming. So may we live knowing that this Christ who is returning is not only the judge of the universe, but our merciful Lord and Savior as well. And each day we come closer to his return. So with this hope, let us wait patiently through the many sorrows of this world, looking forward to see him face to face. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you would sustain us by your grace, by your Holy Spirit, that we would focus upon the blessed hope of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would remember your compassion in Christ, your compassion and your mercy towards us, that even as we suffer now, that we will take hope, remembering that this world will be transformed, that our suffering will be taken away one day soon. So may we endure with patience to the end the suffering that you have called us to. We thank you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.